0: In this episode, I answer a question from one of your fellow stuck knots. This one happens to be a parent that is writing to me asking about how to deal with uh, kind of like flight fight sympathetic energy as a parent and how to keep that in check and not pass it on to, well, the next generation, which is our our own children. My name is Justin Sinceri. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I think the world needs a new paradigm for mental health. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. No disclaimers on this one besides that this is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. This is not uh, specific life advice, and not even the person that wrote to me. These are just my general thoughts. I am not giving specific life advice. Don't think that I am, please. These are my general thoughts. So the topic here, like I said at the intro, is a parenting question and basically how to not pass this stuff on, you know, our stuck defensive state. How do we not pass this on to our own kids, the next generation? This came to me, I believe, through Instagram, and the person says, Hi there, I don't mean to ask for free labor or to be intrusive. I have a question, and I believe you probably have the wisdom and training and maybe already have answers on your page. I assume they meant my Instagram or the blog. The blog is just an LMFT.com. You can find a whole bunch of stuff there. But first off, let me, I'm going to do this in chunks. There's a few chunks I'm going to go into here. First off, there's no need to preface the free labor thing. I'm happy to address this stuff. I like answering questions. I genuinely like getting and answering questions from people. I've gotten a lot, so there's a there's a bunch of DMs I haven't gotten to yet. If you're waiting for a response from me, I'm sorry. Um, things have kind of been piling up. But I'm happy to address what I can. If I have to, If I feel like I have something to share, I'm happy to share it. If people, and I've seen this out there, If people are complaining about quote-unquote free labor, to me that's a guilt trip, and they're trying to induce an action out of you, which probably involves money, obviously. So, I mean, like, if I didn't want to respond, I just wouldn't respond. There's no need to impose a guilt trip of quote-unquote free labor. So if you see that, run for the hills. (laughs) Um, But this is not intrusive whatsoever. I appreciate the questions. It helps me. Hopefully it helps the person who asks. I do hope, even though, even though I'm not directly speaking to them and this is more general, I do hope they could benefit. I do hope that everyone listening to this benefits. Okay, so it's not intrusive. Don't worry about free labor. We all benefit from this. This is a mutual beneficial thing. So no, don't don't worry about that. I, I love Q&A. I like to test my knowledge and the questions I get from people make me look at what I know or what I think I know and say, do I really know this very well? And can I teach it? And can I answer these Difficult questions that are like spinoffs from what I talk about, and also, by the way, thank you for the flattery about my wisdom. I don't mind that at all. That that feeds straight into my ego, where I promise I will put it to good to good use. Okay. All right. So that now that's out. That's out of the way. I felt compelled. I had to address that. Now that that is out of the way, the second chunk of this here is. How does one who never really had models of calm, loving, safe parents learn to calm the inner storm of fight or flight brain that leads to angry yelling that then perpetuates perpetuates the trauma cycle by scaring a little one? I know the science behind it, and I know the psychology, and I understand what's happening, but how do I stop slash slow that reaction when my brain is hijacked. Let's do one piece at a time. There's a lot here, so we're going to kind of break this up further and do one piece at a time. So the first part of this, never had a model of good enough parenting. They said they they never had models of calm, loving, safe parents. So let's let's just say good enough. We don't need perfection. We need good enough. And this is super common. This is very common. How many of us had uh Well, how many of us had perfect parents? Probably zero. How many of us had good enough? I don't know. And when you look back, I mean, there probably was lots and lots of room for improvement, even if you had good enough and you came out of, you know, into the world okay enough. There's probably still lots of room for improvement. Myself as a parent, there's lots of room for improvement, I think. So I think this is very common. I think this is very, very common. So some validation here. When we don't get the... Parenting that we needed to thrive growing up. It does make it a lot more difficult to be the parent that we want to be. Once we're ready to be parents, it affects us. It lives within us that you know hinders us in some ways, and maybe maybe it can be maybe that uh, good enough or less than good enough parenting can be an adversity that people can build on, sure, but it also could be a hindrance. So some validation there. Especially when it comes to parenting, you we kind of, we parent based off the way we were parented, really, unless you actively are learning new ways to parent and doing your own self-regulation practice to implement the parenting stuff. Really, the way we parent is going to come directly from the way we were parented. And that might mean perpetuating it, or that might mean saying, I don't want to do this again with my own kids and stopping it. But either way, like that's gonna be the springboard for us as parents. And this does lead to, like I said, a perpetuation, potentially, of parenting dynamics, and this can last for generations. I work with uh teenagers who have typically one parent in their life. Usually it's a it's a birth parent. Um, usually they have one parent in their life. And they also have grandparents, so they're young enough to have two, maybe even three generations of of parents and grandparents and even as teenagers teenagers they can see how these how the way they're being parented came from the way their parents were parented so they can see generationally how these things are passed on it it is absolutely this perpetuation of parenting dynamics that is passed on over generations I, like i mean for myself just like anybody just like you i got to keep an eye on myself i just like anybody else seriously i was raised in a home with a lot of yelling and maybe that's Part of an Italian kind of thing. Maybe, but there was like a lot of yelling. We yelled at each other constantly. I always seemed to be in trouble and getting yelled at. So when now as a parent, I recognized early on that I had an impulse to yell, and that's something I have to keep in check. It's still in there, and I do as much self regulation as I can. Do my own work, but I do have to keep an eye on it. that that impulse to like control and to yell is still in there. And I think it's not just me, but a lot of us, we have these little impulses within us based on the way we were parented. I have a reframe here for you, which is, and I've already kind of said it, don't worry about perfect parenting. Worry about good enough parenting. That doesn't mean we're giving up. It doesn't mean we're settling exactly. It, like, if you have the mental space to worry about being a perfect parent, you go right ahead. You go right ahead. You, good luck. But that also might be this, like, defensive impulsive thought of i'm not good enough i have to be par- i have to be perfect so if you have the mental space for it and it comes from genuine self improvement and you you can handle that cool for the majority of people worry about leveling up you know day after day sure worry about good enough parenting okay that's that's kind of like a reframe here so focus on improvement in i would say a larger sense that's one piece of this we'll talk about larger and smaller so focus on improvement in a larger sense, and that would be like generationally. Do better than your own parents. Okay, so just, just level up from your parents. And if it involves violence, we want to erase that entirely from our parenting, right? But at least do something better. Whatever the problem was with your parents that you can identify, cut that out. <laughs> Take that out. If you're, If your parents didn't say I love you, At all, start saying it to your kids. If your parents were good at saying it out loud, but not very good at affectionately sharing, like physically sharing love, that might be where you level up. If your parents were not super well regulated and had anger outbursts, that might be where you need to level up. Compare in comparison to to your own parents. And I know we talk about in mental health, we don't want to compare to others, but As a reframe here, I think it could be helpful to to, to look at this as I am improving upon what came before me. And that's not an insult. It it might be very practical. So not perfection. We want good enough and we want to do better than the generation that came before us. So in a larger sense, that's macro, okay? But we, we can't settle for this. This may not be good enough. I want good enough parenting. Not perfect but i would like i would i would really encourage you to strive strive for good enough parenting but you can't settle for just being better than your own parents in in parenting so also focus on improvement in a smaller sense which i mean, what i mean by that is like today versus yesterday do better than not just your own parents but do better than yourself yesterday so the the, the you today That's listening to this. Think about how you parented yesterday. And do better than that. So think about yourself uh, this morning. Maybe you yelled at your kids on the way out of the house. Or maybe that happened yesterday. And what I'm saying is. Do better than that the next day. So don't yell at your kids on the way out of the house. Or start getting ready earlier. If you were pressuring your kids to clean the room and threatening and yelling and name calling, don't do that tomorrow. Maybe you could still kind of rush them a little bit, but cut out the name calling, like level it up the next day as much as you can. So we have the larger picture generationally, but then just for yourself, the day-to-day improvements, not perfection, we want to eventually get to good enough parenting. So do better than your own parents, but do better than yourself as well. Challenge yourself. The other thing here, another uh, kind of reframe, not really reframe, but another thought I have is something that can help is to create boundaries for acceptable parenting. And this is something that if, if there is a husband, a wife, a partner with, that you have, talk about it with them. And maybe even agree, like, we're not perfect people, but we can create Boundaries of what's appropriate parental behavior. And I would encourage everybody to base this on generally acceptable values of right and wrong. I'm not going to tell you the morality of your home. But generally acceptable values of right and wrong, like hitting is wrong. Insulting children is wrong. Swearing is not wrong, but in front of kids, maybe not. Yelling. In and of itself, not ideal with kids. So these might be the boundaries of acceptable parental behavior. Or actually, for anybody in the home, these might be the boundaries for acceptable behavior in your home. But since change does start with parents, I would focus on yourselves first. That here is what's right and wrong for us as parents. And we're not perfect, but we can definitely stop these things. Or support each other in working toward stopping these things. If if yelling and swearing is a problem for you, create that rule right now. Like, this is just wrong. I don't want to treat anybody this way. I don't want to treat any children this way. I really don't want to treat my children this way because, well, they're my kids. And they need me. And yelling at them is not going to help. Swearing at them calling them names that doesn't help at all it makes things a lot worse so create that that uh mental boundary of acceptable behavior for yourself and you have to actually enforce it that's why talking with your significant other it can be helpful to keep each other in check or keep each other um yeah support each other through that so eliminate those obviously wrong things all right so and i want you to prioritize not doing these things like don't make it worse it's not perfect it's not even maybe good enough yet but just don't make the don't make it worse stop the cycle because like we said this is a generational thing so we're going to prioritize i'm I'm not going to yell or i'm not going to like name call i'm not going to shame and blame so like right now you have to decide that this is a priority for my home. Maybe I don't know how to express love to my kids yet. So I'm not I'm not quite there yet when it comes to that. But I can I can definitely stop you know swearing in front of my kids. That's doable. You can do that. I can definitely stop spanking my kids. Please. I mean that that's like one of those that cannot be allowed in the home. No hitting of any kind. It's not okay to hit kids. And then, when you, as you do this successfully, which you will do, I want you to stop and to notice those wins and give yourself a little credit. Share them with somebody. Hopefully you have uh, someone you've communicated with, this, c- communicated with about this. And you can say, hey, I did it. Or we did it. And here's what went well. So don't keep it to yourself. Share. Brag. If you're in a parenting group or something like that, like share it with them or people on Facebook or whatever, I don't know, whatever you do. Whatever people do to <laughs> connect with other people. And this it, That will help to solidify the progress that you are making. You can't, Don't just keep it to yourself. Like take a moment to reflect on it and say, today, you know what, today I did do better. Today, my amount of yelling was cut in half. So it's not quite good enough, but it's a lot better than it was yesterday. So I'm going to give myself a W for that so far. I'm going to build on that tomorrow. And especially like if positivity was in short supply for you growing up, you kind of have to be the one to grow that for yourself now. Maybe you didn't get a lot of that growing up. And that's pretty common uh, from the people I work with in therapy, the adults at nighttime or the kids and the teens in the daytime. Sometimes there's not a whole lot of positivity to go around or yeah, the parents just aren't giving it, you know, for your own parents. I mean, so if that's your case, that sucks and that's true, but it's also true that you can give that to yourself. I mean, you're hearing it now. It is possible that as you get these little wins or little improvements that you can give yourself a little bit of credit and say, "I I can do this. I am doing this and I can do even better tomorrow. I'd also encourage you to learn new parenting skills, new parenting paradigms, like expand that knowledge base of what's possible when it comes to parenting. Like I said, we're going to parent based on the way we we were parented. Unless we have, uh, part of that could be having a greater concept of what parenting is and what it looks like and different interventions. And I think self-regulation is a big part of it. So expand your knowledge base of parenting that can help to, like when those moments come up where you might default to generational parenting patterns, that new idea might pop in your mind, especially if you're self-regulated enough to implement it. I'm going to take a break right here. I I will continue with the rest of my answer to this question and is also a third little chunk to this. But I want to just take a moment to say, hey, I missed you. I know I published last week. I recorded with Heidi about with the bad therapy actually the past two weeks. But before that, uh, there was two weeks where I didn't publish anything, and that was way out of my norm. But the reason for that was I was working on Polyvagal 101, my online, my virtual course, which is on justinlmft.com. I had put so much time and effort into that. I'm really happy with the way it came out. It's a true course. Uh, there's five different learning lessons, two hours worth of exclusive video from me. So if you like what I'm doing here, I think you'll like Polyvagal 101 a lot. It takes all of the polyvagal essentials and condenses them down into two hours. It's not this like eight, 10, 12 week course on the polyvagal theory. No, it's it's like it's a very condensed. Here's the most important information. Saves you time. And I th- hopefully you know by now that I can present polyvagal theory stuff with a lot of clarity, and that's kind of what people tell me a lot is that hey, this finally makes sense. So, I, if if you're liking what I'm doing here, I, I really think you'll like Polyvagal One-on-One over on my website. So I, it'll give you more clarity in less time. And that was a big deal to me. Like I really wanted to, to condense this down to the essential. So it's finally available. I'm sorry I missed you for two weeks. I missed you. Did you miss me? I did. I really did. And but anyhow, so but it, it is available now. And that's what I was up to for those. Actually, it was more than those couple of weeks. I just I got to this point where I realized I can't do the course and continue making podcast episodes at the same time. And so I just, I sacrificed everything and focused entirely on making this course for uh, a while uh, just to kind of finish it up. And it is now available, polyvagal101 on justinlmft.com. All right, we will, I will continue. Actually, we we will continue with the rest of this um let message I got from somebody on Instagram. One, I want to do one slight reframe here. Uh, that what the person said was they said they wanted to learn to calm the inner storm of fight or flight brain. So, just one quick little tweak when it comes to talking about the brain. This is not a brain issue, it's a whole body. It's a whole body. It's a nervous system issue. It's really, I mean, very specifically like a brain stem issue, which then uh, gets sent down to the body and up to the rest of the the brain. So brainstem, when it comes to polyvagal theory, is absolutely like uh, a key piece of this. But when it comes to polyvagal theory, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to all this state stuff, it's it's a whole body issue. It's not just the brain. So I don't want us to focus on the brain. We hear about the brain, the brain, the brain, the brain, so much in mental health, and yeah, it's important, I get it. But this is a whole body issue. There are messages going to the brainstem, and there's messages going from the brain down to the brainstem. We say brain to body and body to brain, but really, what we're saying is messages to the the brainstem in particular. So it's not just a problem with the brain. The entire body is prepared for safety or for defense. And in, in this case, we're talking more about defense. And when we're yelling, and when we're fighting, when we're being dominant and controlling, or aggressive, more that aggressive controlling. That's, that's like fight states kind of stuff. We are taking up space. And in, in the fight state, that's, that's kind of what's happening is that we are not increasing space. We're actually decreasing space. We're, we're, decreasing, we're getting closer to the danger in order to get, to get that danger to back off. So we, we have to calm the body by increasing cues of safety and creating tolerance to distress. That's really the key here when it comes to not just this, but self-regulation in general. It's about calming the body. I'm not worried about the brain, just the brain. It's, of course, a factor. Right now, you're using your brain and hopefully learning new concepts or relearning it or getting a reframe here and there. Your brain is very much involved. It's involved right now, but it's not just the brain. So we have to calm the body, and we do that by increasing cues of safety and creating more tolerance to distress. They ask though how to stop slash slow the reaction. So for this person in particular, I have no idea. For you in particular, fellow stuck knot, dear listener, I have no idea. What I would ask you it is, just for yourself, for your own self-reflection, what helps to bring you to a baseline. And what I mean by baseline is not your home away from home, not like we're the defensive state that you're in more often than not. What I'm saying baseline right now, I'm asking where, what does it look like? Describe what it feels like for you to be calm or self-regulated or in your body or in the present moment. Maybe you don't, you don't know what that's like. That's okay for now. Remember a time when you did feel that way maybe. So what is your baseline? What does it feel like? And kind of mentally, or even you could actually create it if you want, create a map of what it looks like and and how to get there. So you have to kind of have some familiarity with what helps bring you to safety. Especially like from more of a sympathetic fight state, like what helps you to climb your polyvagal ladder up into your safety state. Because that's where we want parenting to come from there. We don't want parenting to come from a dominant defensive state. We want parenting to come from a safety state. So for me, like I know if I'm in more of an aggressive, frustrated kind of place, I need to shut up. I need to shut up. I need to breathe. And I need space. That's That kind of does it for me. That helps. And when I do that, I remind myself how much I love my kids. That's... that's top down that's like a, a a thought that can help me change my state so if i need to shut up i breathe i get space i remind myself how much i love my kids i remind myself that getting angry and and not uh climbing my ladder in that moment is not going to help but it makes things worse that helps me out to have those reminders and have that space and taking that usually it's like one deep breath or one slow breath on the way out sometimes i close my eyes that's usually enough for me to be like, okay. And like and to come back and, and to be able to parent more effectively. So what helps you to deal with or get out or self-regulate your your through your fight energy? And if you don't know the answer to that, that's where you start. You gotta figure that out. So I don't know the answer for anybody in particular, I have no idea. You just you have to be curious, you have to figure out what helps me to climb my polyvagal ladder in general. And also, what helps me to climb out of my or deal with or feel more effectively my, my fight energy. And even if it's, don't even worry about like changing it. Don't worry about changing it. Allow it to be there, but anchor yourself in safety. So if, even if you are in that aggressive fight state, that's not a bad thing as long as you're anchored in safety and it's under control. So that, that might be something that you focus on is what helps me to stay in my body and not get overwhelmed by those defensive states. That's where you start. I mean, you got, you got to figure that out. So how to stop slash slow this reaction, you got to figure out what brings you to safety. You know, and once you do that, then you can become curious about what state you're in and what helps you to climb out of that state. But maybe just identifying what helps you come to safety uh might be a good place. To, I think it's always a good place to start, honestly. And the last part here is how do I help my husband and daughter do the same? So how to help them to stop or slow the cycle of anger and dysregulation, basically. And uh, like the answer is to be self-regulated first. You can't make them stop. You can't that's out of your control. But you can absolutely be self-regulated if not right now eventually generational trauma in my opinion stops when someone is self-regulated enough and then refuses to continue those patterns that lead to more generational trauma and again i work with a lot of teenagers who are are able to see these dynamics in real like, like in real time And then through therapy, you can say, I don't want to do this for my own kids. This stops with me. And that can look a lot of different ways, but that's something I hear from my teen clients a lot is, this stops with me. And I'm going to, like they realize, when I'm self-regulated, that's when I can make the best decisions that I possibly can. And that will directly impact my own kids in the future. So generational trauma stops when someone's self-regulated enough. And I would encourage every single one of us to be that person. But that only comes from doing your own self-regulation growth practice, your own work. That's that's where it comes from. It kind of has to come from you, not from anybody else. Your kids will see you doing that. And they will learn from that. Not just from like, the, like they're like watching you. Maybe they will be. But... but It's more like they'll see you modeling appropriate behaviors which come from your own self-regulation. So they'll feed off that. Kids feed off that. They need to see appropriate modeling of what we want out of them, not just what we say we want, but what we model for them what we want. Does that make sense? They, They will learn way better from what you model versus what you say. If you tell them not to swear, but you swear up a storm, Don't be surprised if they swear. If you tell them not to hit, but you spank them at home, don't be surprised. So they'll they'll learn from your modeling, good or bad, good or bad. And this is extremely important. And your modeling has to come from, or I I would recommend that it does come from, a self-regulated, a well-regulated state. And that's from your safety, having access to your safety state. On top of that, if you're able to self-regulate, then that might bleed over to your, not just your kids, but anybody else in your home. And that's co-regulation. Just you being self-regulated does not solve everything. I know, I get it. And it is not up to you to fix your spouses or anybody else in your life. You're absolutely right. It is not up to you to do that. But, but, it is up to you as a parent to be a part of fixing the system that you are a part of. And that has to start with you. Yeah, it does start with your significant other if you have somebody in your life. I, ideally, it's a, it's a tandem. It's, it's the two of you working together to address the system of the family. Absolutely. But I don't know if that's possible in your life, and you may have to start with just you. Or the other person in your life may think that they're being a part of the solution and they aren't. We can't coerce people to do that. We can't fix them. We can't tell them how to be. We start with ourselves first. And like I said in episode, I think it was like 126 or so, where I talked more deeply about this. Like, we don't control the people, we ultimately only can control or seemingly control ourselves. So I I would start there. I would start with yourself. And that self-regulation will affect other people. It will. I have no idea what that looks like. I'm not saying that will fix life's problems. But that has to be kind of where you start. It doesn't solve everything. It's not up to you to fix your your spouses, I know. But you are a part of the system and you are a parent in the home. So that is absolutely your responsibility. That's something you have to embrace. And and you're a part of that. I hope that helps. Thank you so much for listening, fellow stuck knot. I do hope you've learned something new to help you in your process of getting unstuck and maybe just as yourself as a parent, some, some reframes in here, some reminders maybe. I hope this is helpful. So do me a favor, subscribe or follow this podcast. Head on over to justinlmft.com. Polyvagal 101 is now available for you to, to deepen your polyvagal learning in less time. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.